0: Welcome to yet another episode of the Culture Class Podcast. I am super excited excited today because I am talking to a fellow Black woman who is also a journalist and who loves stories just as much as I do, maybe more. Um, her name is Hannah Baba, and I am super excited to talk to you. Hi, Hannah. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Akanji? I am like over the moon, ready to get into all the details of what it's like to be a Black journalist, a Black Muslim female journalist in these here America states, okay? Um, but, you know, it's, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you. So first of all, a little bit about yourself um i know that you're sudanese
1: yes i am sudanese my family is from sudan and for those who don't know where sudan is it's in east africa or northeast africa so we border egypt and ethiopia in that area um, and so my parents come came to the u.s in the 70s oh nice okay so
0: uh-huh. you were born here i would assume
1: i wasn't born here the kid i believe brought me when i was eight months old just like it's okay I know. <laughs> I was little, um, and so, but uh, like many immigrants, they came, they stayed. We um, we we lived here for a good eleven years, and then they decided to move back, which not a lot of people do. Yeah. Um. And then later we came back to the U.S. So we have a little. We have
0: a story of kind of going, going, and coming, and coming, and going like that. I was just about to ask you. So when 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 you said they moved back, that's the whole family. Everybody back Mm -hmm. back. wow. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. How old were you about? I was 11-ish. Yeah, I was
1: about 11. And so I think what was happening, like now that I'm, you know, older, Mm -hmm. I I get, I kind of get what they were trying to do because Mm -hmm. back then in the 80s, you know, there was not, there were still not huge African communities. There were still not huge, like Muslim communities, Sudanese communities for sure not and so I think a lot of it was loneliness was like feeling like I don't have my people yeah. I can't find my people um and a lot of it was I mean there's this thing about we don't want our children to be too American <laughs> I can relate. and we're gonna send you back you know a lot of
0: immigrants you know, kids know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm raising my hand over here. As a Cameroonian immigrant myself, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. And so, and, you
1: know, I think it was a mixture of them wanting to go back, mm-hmm. because I know my father had always said he wanted to go back and kind of take what he learned from the US back there. He did his master's here. He started a business. Um, But I, I really think the other part of it was like culture, like they wanted us to learn the language they wanted us to know our family they wanted us to like learn be muslim like all of these cultural things i think they felt like we're going to be gone yeah if they stayed. Right. now times
0: are different you know yeah They're, i mean I, you mentioned get it right you mentioned earlier you know um they went back you know all those years ago at a time when not a lot of people were doing that we have uh, so many stories now of you know um i, I hope i use this word correctly but ex Patrick, Patrick, Mm -hmm. yes, who are moving from, you know, countries in Europe and America back to Africa because they're tracing their roots there and they're going back. So it's it's kind of the cool thing to do now. Um, But I can imagine back then, you know, feeling like, oh, my God, I I really don't have my people. And to have lived here for 11 years and still kind of have that sense of loneliness, I think says a lot.
1: Yeah. And again, the times are different, right? Like this Mm -hmm. was the 80s. If it was now, fast forward now. Oh, you know, I have community. My daughters have Sudanese, Sudanese friends. Right. Right, like and african friends and black friends and like there's so many so many mosques and so it's it's a different time um and i you know, yeah but at the time i feel like for them they felt we have no community our kids are just the culture is going to be diluted and we have to go and it's a hard off, off decision
0: oh I, I i can only imagine um so in your ted talk which we're gonna get into in a little bit but in your ted talk you mentioned you know um sort of that relationship of of how you see africa portrayed for trade, and then, you know, your response when you see some someone based on, you know, kind of the information that you have, right? Um, what is something about Sudan that you would like to dispel? Or like, what what would be maybe a surprising, good, pleasant thing about Sudan that, you know, the average American or European or whoever, right, wouldn't first think of? Think of. As a Cameroonian, I, I know exactly, like, I know that there's amazing culture and amazing food and amazing everything, you know, in Cameroon, because I grew up there and I know what the difference is. But like, if you were to dispel, you know, maybe a notion, what would, what would be something that you would point out? I think for me, the biggest one that I was, that even I was surprised
1: about, right, when we moved back was... Uh, because Because again, growing up here in the U.S. in the 80s, you know, all the images, all the imagery about Africa and, you know, were just horrible, right? It was poverty. It was war. It was famine. It was people that didn't have clothes and they were sick and they Mm -hmm. were tired. And there was no sense of like culture or empowerment. Um, and so, you know, I go back there and I, you know, it's just, it's so different from anything they had shown us right on TV or in movies. I had heard stories from home, you know, I had gone back for vacations sometimes when I was little, Um, um, I think the biggest, the biggest misconception or one of the biggest ones is about women. And I think this goes for many of our countries um, in, in Africa, even somewhat in, in the Middle East, maybe, but if we stay in Africa, how powerful women are yeah. and and how much agency they really have, because you wouldn't know that if you were, you know, if you were raised in Europe or the U.S., for you, all you see are these poor women and they're oppressed and they don't have a voice. They oppressed. Absolutely. And the man gets to marry a thousand wives and she's cooking all day. And you go and the women even in your family are mm-hmm. lawyers and doctors and professional women. Mm-hmm. And you look in the history and it's like Sudanese women were voting at a time when so many of these other countries were not. Yeah. Sudanese women were judges and lawyers and teachers when a lot of these countries
0: didn't have it yeah and so I think a lot of people are surprised by that and Um, even I think also even if you weren't a professional woman or like you know wearing one of these professional hats right even if you were just a mom and that was your job right you still had to be a mom is not like a it's it's tough Work and it's it takes someone who's strong to raise a whole. I mean, you see grandmas who have raised right. like generations of women, and that is strength in itself. So, like to be portrayed as this, like you know, just staying at home cooking all the time, washing, and you know, because you don't have anything else to do or whatever the the, the imagery or the perception is. Um, you are correct in saying that it's it's almost completely opposite.
1: The, the strength yeah. is so missing in the narrative. Mm-hmm. The strength mm-hmm. of women and like the say of the matriarch or the or the grandma or the oh. mom house right all the men you know listen to her you know and and so this is all missing but you have to go there and see it um yeah so for me that's one of the biggest ones kind of the, the strength of women and the place of women back home it's uh, so
0: it's so great
1: and elevated
0: absolutely i i agree 100 you know we we alluded a little bit to the TED talk first of all how did that come about oh
1: well i mean these are things that i've been living and thinking about for a long time, this idea of being a child here in the U.S., and what, what the image of Africa was, being from Africa, um, te- getting teased at school, you know, with all different kinds of things, you know, there's name calling. There's like questions that are were very strange. Like, you know, do you live in huts? Do you have a pet?
0: Every time pet. someone tells me that they go ask that. So I moved here in 2010, right? And um, I was 18 about, uh, I just turned 18. And when I moved here, I started hearing kind of from other people's experiences, is what they would get asked. And I used to think to myself, like, that is just, why would anybody ask you that? that? Like, have you ever seen a photograph? And then I started to learn what the exposure is Right, because when you're when you're in Africa, the same um, um, imagery that you get being here is not the same that you get in Africa. Because we're we're consuming our own content, we're you know we're seeing our own culture, and it makes sense that we're not seeing how we are being portrayed outside. So it was ridiculous to me. Um, And to be frank, I've never really had someone ask me that stupid. Frankly, it's a stupid question. Oh, you're lucky. Question. Um, But I have had encounters with people where it's like, "What are you even talking about? Have you ever read a book?" You know. um, but, you know, just, I can totally see how, and kids are like vicious. <laughs> Young children girl. all, yes. I mean, the names and kind of, like
1: you know, um, I've had friends, they were clicking at them. You know what I mean? It's just mm. like ignorance. Yeah. And I mean, it was ignorance, I think. Like part of it was meanness, but a lot of it was they didn't know. Yeah. Like, how would they know if this is what the media Fair point is showing them? How would they know? You know, little, yeah. little kids. Right. Um, But that's why I wanted to do a TED talk about this, the narrative, the narrative about something versus what it really is. Right. Right. And so this idea of there's a narrative, there's a story about Africa out there. But then if you just take the time and go, you will on your own, start to dispel, start to say, okay, this wasn't correct, this mm-hmm. wasn't right. You will find that this this narrative is is flawed in so many right. ways. And for me, that the big message for me through that TED Talk, I think it was called, uh, "Be the media."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm always trying to recruit people to become journalists, people who are black, who are African. We need more to be able to correct these narratives, and there's not enough of us
0: yeah. in media. There's ask you a question in terms of that, you know, kind of following that correction trend of thought, right? So what has been or has there been a specific uh, experience in your career or in your time as a journalist where you, there was something that was said or done or written where you were just like, this cannot go out? The way it is because it's just inaccurate. Like you know, what's the what's the one that jumps out at you? And feel free to you know not conceal. Um, I mean, not disclose any kind of details that you would wish to hold back. Um, but I'm sure there's been you know a moment where you you were that representation or the voice in the room that said, "Hold up, this is not." the
1: way. Oh, many times. And that's why, that's why I'm saying we need more of us because if we're not in the newsroom, if we're not in these spaces, you know, that these people will not get corrected. Right. Right. But I'm at the table. Like if you're not at the table, you know, as I say in the tech talk, how can we really complain when we don't want to be at the table and trying to fix these things? I think one like big area has been post 9-11, Islamophobia, Muslim, all of this. So um, I definitely felt like I was kind of the ambassador for all things Muslim, which which is a huge burden, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to be the one. I just happened to be the only the Black way. person, the only Muslim, the only African person in the room. And so that, you know, they're turning to me, which is a good thing, right? But it's I would say it's mostly been things like descriptors and adjectives um extremists like Islamic extremists or like Muslim extremists and I've had to do a lot of correcting people I've also had to do a lot of correcting people about pronunciation because I'm an Arabic speaker and um, you know Ahmed and Muhammad don't you know, do that so, you know, don't don't do that it's just Muhammad just say <laughs> Muhammad it's
0: okay you don't have to do that so it's like the people who go to Paris one time and then they come and say uh, what's a typical uh, what's a typical American thing that people want to say in the most French way possible? I don't know, creme brulee or something. You go to Paris one time and suddenly you're like, oh, creme brulee.
1: That's the that's the feeling.
0: Yeah, and so on the one hand, part of
1: me is annoyed. The other part of me says these people don't know better. They weren't taught better. You know, it's and it's good. That they are asking, right? And it's good that I do have a voice before this thing goes out. Um, And I'm actually now, I'm the host of this program that I work on. Mm -hmm. So I am the last person, you know, it comes out in my voice. And so that's why it's also important for me. I think it's been very beneficial. Like our station now has a reputation for being, you know, um, for for kind of having that elevated cultural sense and sensitivity.
0: Mm, That's good. That's good. That's good to be identified. Yeah, but we want more.
1: Like ideally you know, all stations and all newspapers should have at least one person from Africa or one person, you know what I mean? Right, I agree. But we all want to be doctors and engineers,
0: Akanji. <laughs> all our parents, mostly our parents, mostly our parents probably want us to be doctors and engineers. That's doctors a whole other and conversation. And um, that's a lot of doctors and engineers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, but okay, and, and most recently, IT professional, that's another one. Yeah. Uh, but so you mentioned something, Um, you know, a, a little bit about the the responsibility of being that voice in the room. Um, it's often said, you know, when you're the only black person, only woman, only Muslim, only whatever, insert insert adjective here, right? When you're the only person in that room that would have a different perspective, that is a responsibility. It's easy to, to identify that that's that responsibility and the world kind of looks to you to be that voice. How important is it on the flip side to be prepared for that voice outside of what you your cultural experience is, right? So, because as a Muslim woman, for example, um, Sudanese woman, your experience would be maybe similar, but not the same as maybe an Iranian Muslim American, right? So how important is it, you know, to be prepared to kind of be that voice? If you're the only other voice that is not American in the room, you're sort of representing not just the, the Black Muslim woman, you're representing the Muslim woman everywhere. Um, and, So and what's that right. like? It's it's hard and it's burdensome. Yeah. And, and you
1: feel like, you know, you want to teach people more about the nuances right because you you know you don't want people to fall into this um, this trap of oh we have the Muslim woman oh we have the Sudanese woman you know I think it's my job to say you know even within Sudan Sudan is so diverse right you know even within my city it's so diverse so 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 you have to be nuanced. And learn more, you know, I'm always like telling them more, you know, about kind of, you know, other kind of Muslims, other Arabic speakers, you know, other, you know, people, people like Sudan has all shades of brown, um, you know, and so I find myself doing a whole lot of education. Yeah, which, again, it feels like a burden on one side on the other side, who's gonna do it if it's not me, and they're just gonna continue on not knowing or not wanting to put in the effort to know, but it's burden burdensome. But it's an educational opportunity as well. Absolutely. absolutely. And education is never lost.
0: Right. Um, And, you know, education is never lost. So even if you're taking this time to, you know, educate yourself so that you can educate other people that's already in itself I think uh, a benefit to all of this right if even if nobody ever asks you the question you know and one oh, I... day if that ever comes to play you know you're in the position to you know pull pull out
1: absolutely that. absolutely and have I like have they asked me stuff and I've had to look it up before coming back to them yes. Yeah. Because I'm one person and I don't know everything and I shouldn't be made, you know, to have to know everything. Right. That's it. That's my point. You know what I mean? But, you know, um, if they ask me something, something's going on in a different part of Sudan that I'm not from, that I don't know about. I'm expected to know magically about everything that's happening everywhere in Sudan because that label is on me. Sometimes, you know, I kind of go, you know, look. Right, ask around, see what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> you have to be a like an all-knowing
0: <laughs> person representing all things. and that's just i think it's not fair do you ever just like at the end of the work day just switch off like don't ask me any more questions i'm tired (laughs) or is it it, you know i'm sure there's got to be a time when you know it's like okay we're not at work now we're in our personal life and how do you separate those two things because it can be a lot to constantly feel like you know you have to hold everybody up so to speak
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm blessed to have a very like knowledgeable caring staff that that is you know it's the San Francisco Bay Area and I think a lot of people in the Bay Area you know they're you know we're, we're relaxed we're also like open minded and we're yeah. curious and they want to know more and don't want to like um, offend and so you know when it's, t- when it's enough it's enough they know that <laughs> they know that but you know switching off you know I have my family I have my girlfriends from my community that I can Go rant to <laughs> everybody you know. needs a rant group okay everybody, if you don't have yourself a rant group of friends you better get you some you need some and we have our little
0: whatsapp chat nice you know <laughs> all All of the juiciest details are in the WhatsApp chat. They're in the WhatsApp chat, (laughs) you know, like, I can't
1: believe what I, what I was asked today. (laughs) You know, just, you you need somebody to, you need somebody who can
0: relate. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So a little bit about uh, the NPR show, Cross Current. What's this, what's the show about? So Cross Currents is,
1: um, so the station is called KELW. It's an NPR uh, station, but this Mm -hmm. is a local show. Uh, Cross Currents. So Cross Currents is New. News and culture from around the Bay Area. It's local. It's what's going on. uh, And a lot of arts and culture and the music scene. Nice. Yeah. um, But news also. So it's what we call a news magazine. So usually it would start at the beginning. It's about half an hour. And so it would start with something newsy from the headlines, something political, something going on in the schools housing, homelessness, you know, there's a lot going on here, um, but we always like to have some element of definitely culture, definitely arts so that it's kind of, you know, like a well-rounded type of type of show. Um, it doesn't really focus on one specific topic. It like takes a little bit of here and a little bit of there, but it's really about hearing from people that aren't heard heard from a lot, through media. So we do a lot of community reporting, Right. You know, and if something's going on, we take that and we go into, you know, like, so what's going on in East Oakland? How do they see this? You know, the kind of underserved, uh, underreported people and communities and voices. That's that's what our focus is.
0: And that has, you know, led to, you know, some recognition, you know, even in the community. What is the... And I'm alluding to the um, Bay Area cultural icon. You are, by the way, congratulations. That's a big deal. Um, so what what was the story, or, or what was the I guess series of events that led to this, and and how important was it that you know you kind of told those stories that warranted this this um recognition?
1: Yeah, so that was that was a very generous recognition that was um that was brought about by uh Chiqui and Wafia, and Chike is has something called the Silicon Valley African Film Festival. And he's just a person here that likes to uplift uh, all things Africa and all things African. Um, and so one of the years he had his film festival and he, you know, he, I think he had like seven, he wanted to nominate seven or eight of us uh, kind of African personalities, Bay Area. And he went to the California legislature and got, you know, got got a proclamation, <laughs> which, was, which was fun to receive. It's like this gigantic certificate like this nice. from, from the California uh, legislature that kind of proclaims people as having certain qualities. or And so uh, that was an honor. You know, j- I think he just, you know, he's just recognized me and my other colleagues as people who are trying to tell stories about African immigrant communities uh, and Africa in a way that is nuanced that in a way that is deeper than what you see in headlines and I think that's appreciated and I think you know it's sad that it's taken this long for these things to happen but I think it's appreciated and that's you know that's where that came from I don't know about
0: icon but
1: um, (laughs) hey I mean (laughs) I,
0: I I can hear the iconicness in the way that you talk, <laughs> I'm not saying that just to say. I I really do believe there's something special in the way that you tell a story. Um, and I think that's what you know for between kind of doing that as a radio host and doing that in the the suit podcast, having kind of that bridge right between like making this news that you want to pay attention to. That is, I feel like news almost has a certain kind of urgency to it, whereas a podcast is like you know a little bit more laid back. And just so be able to tell stories in both ways and get you know the people who are more you know tell me why I should listen to this and the people who are more like I'm just driving on Saturday afternoon and I, you know need to chill about something that's special to be able to do that is I think um you know it's, it's quite it's a gift I think which I think is why you've, you've stayed in radio and kind of audio media for a long time I love it I can't lie <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your it, first radio experience ever
1: yeah I mean if you're from Africa you know the radio is a big you know when we went back to. School, sudan you know radio is how people get their information it's how they know when the next i don't know what, how the when the events are it's drama radio like shows like soap operas and drama and tv of course we have tv but like the radio has been such such an important information source sure. i think and entertainment source but information like in sudan if you wake up every morning 6 a.m. on the dot it's the obituaries where where people literally from all over the country when somebody dies for them they they send a message to the radio station and if you want to know you know who, you know, if you're listening at 6 a.m. and you're mm-hmm. listening, that's how you'll find out that cousin so-and-so in that village over there passed. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, wow. That's, that's that's deep. So the radio is, and it, radio is on all day in any house that I've been to, and it's just a part of life. It's just part of daily life. And so that's, I think that's and that's where, like, my love for it came from. And then mm-hmm. the other part is storytelling. We have uh my uncle is kind of of the,
0: the family storyteller. So you have a traditional like story we're not traditional per se, but like a storyteller in the true African sense of it in your family. Not, that's not by trade, but <laughs>
1: but that's what he became because he he's memorized all the folk tales that were told to my mom's generation. And it's in his head. So like he just became that. You know, he'd go to work, come back and we'd all be there like what's today's
0: <laughs> that's story? So fun.
1: So the Radio Plus story I just I was bound to become a person who tells stories on the radio but the intimacy of audio is what really what I really love it's just it feels like the person is just talking to you it really does right in your ear and 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 there's something about not being distracted by a visual and being able to, you know, just go with your imagination and imagine the visual in your head.
0: Yeah, it, it, it almost feels like the visuals TV and, and this is in no way shade to TV, right? Because I'm a TV person more so but it almost feels like the the visuals are a, uh, I don't want to say cop out because it just sounds so bad. Um, like an easy way out, if you will, right? Whereas if you're listening to a soap opera on the radio you have to imagine every you have to imagine what these characters look like you're, you have to imagine everything and i think that helps also with for people who are creative like when you're thinking constantly about stuff that you've never seen before and you're pretty much creating that in your head there's a there's a whole different experience to it i think it is different it is different yeah. um
1: I, and and yeah just like voice voice to me is just it's it's a it's a special experience you have to have the right voice too i think so,
0: like well, thank the you. most magi- <laughs> the most magical ones like the ones that you remember are you know, the ones that stay with you, right? I remember growing up, uh, we used to watch a lot of Nigerian films. So, you know, like uh, Nollywood has been a big staple of African films for a long time. Like Nigerians have always been kind of ahead of the game. And there's this guy, I think his name is Shegun Arinze. He has such an iconic voice and he would do almost every trailer, every Nigerian film that, (laughs) like back in like the late 90s, early 2000s, at least from my recollection, his voice was just like made for commercials. (laughs) so it's like the American guy who says in a world where yes yes, pretty much (laughs) exactly like there's just some voices that you don't forget Morgan Freeman has one of those voices too where it's just like it stays with you James Earl oh yes oh yes
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why to me, you know, audio,
0: again, it just feels
1: like somebody's talking to you. You know, it's just easy.
0: All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about the stoop. I know we've kind of alluded to it here and there, but um, I went on the on the website, by the way, the art, the cover art for each episode. Who is doing those? That is amazing. So when we did the stoop, we knew we wanted original art. Mm-hmm.
1: We went on Instagram. We knew we wanted somebody from Africa, somebody you know who 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 just did amazing art, and we found this woman named Nima Iyer. She's from Uganda uh and we just loved her art and we just sent her an email saying hey we have this podcast we would like to like buy you know you know if you draw it we will we will buy it and and that and that was it from 2016 when we launched um you know we send her um episode our episodes that are coming up you know three four episodes that are coming up we Mm -hmm. go like play Nima you, you know but we we you know wow. our next episode is about um colorism. Um so you know and she would send us um, sketches
0: and it's right. it's been a wonderful thing. It's Honestly, wonderful. I mean, I, I I hopped on the website just before we talked, and I was like, "This is incredible!" And I wanted to instinctive just because of how good it looks. And this is one of those moments where the visuals are helping, you know, or <laughs> like aiding yes. the storytelling. Right? Um, instantly, I was like, "Wow, this is incredible!" So, um, great job there. But what have some of been, uh, or what have been some of the more um, memorable moments for you doing the stoop since 2016? Or oh, some of the memorable stories? Oh,
1: I mean, we're on, I think, episode, what episode are we on? I don't want to mess it up. Um, I feel like it's 60.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Yeah,
1: 61. Ah. Oh, so our so our next episode is 62. So there's been a lot. There's been a lot. And the thing with the stoop is we go, like, into our feelings a lot. And we talk about personal things. that Like, we decided early on that we want to bring our characters in like we don't want to be just reporting on other people and an issue we wanted it to be personal put so we, yourself in there. We, we like but that was a, a decision right like that was a decision because oh it sounds like it, it took some time this, to it, or do, to do we time. don't like yeah. hmm, are we gonna put ourselves out there because that gonna, opens you up to a lot when you decide she to do them, it does. And, you know, for Leela, Leela's done a number of episodes with like her parents and her dad, and, and I, you know, or doing an episode about like going really into early traumas. We've mm. done those, some of those as well. But I feel like that's what makes the stoop so strong. It's like, it's our personal experiences. And then we kind of look into, we explore right what comes from these personal experiences and so many people have reached out and said nobody has said this before you know what i mean like yeah. i have gone through this thing i have felt this thing i yeah. you know you know and here you are talking about it i think one of the memorable episodes for me was called you called me african what and it was in our very first season and it was one of the episodes that we really took a long time to do because it was so sensitive uh because it was addressing this idea of when i was little in school in texas i was called african booty scratcher
0: a lot my little and brother was called that like and in thing is
1: and what was what was hard about doing this episode is we were saying that i was teased not by the white kids it was the black kids
0: and leila is african-american and, and you're african-american so
1: you're kind of doing that yeah and so it was a very real episode. Leela did a lot of, you know, listening and it wasn't, you know, I I talked about my experience, but we also brought in other people who kind of have had those kinds of experiences. And then we said, you know, Leela was telling me about Africans calling African Americans words. You know, there's this word akada that I hadn't I hadn't heard before, but I also know Sudanese have derogatory terms for African Americans too. So it became an episode of kind of unpacking all of this and hashing it out. And that was really, really hard, but really important. A lot of people did not like that episode or that we did it. A lot of the feedback was great some of the feedback was, why would you do this? You are creating divisions among Black people, and this is not the time. Why would you, like, Black on Black? And so that was an experience, right? Like, all we were, we we're talking about what, what was happening to right. us. But to some people, they saw it as feeding. Into, um, yeah. Fe- feeding into the tensions and the conflicts that we were talking about right? Um, so yeah,
0: I would say that was... <laughs> how do you then, you know, and, and that's legitimate, right? If for someone to say, you know, from a conversation like that, it's very easy, you know, for that to be the perspective that someone gets out of it is that, you know, things are already bad enough, why are you adding fuel to the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you prepare then audiences or your audience to, for, especially when you do an episode, I feel like you can always sense these things. I mean, sometimes it goes like all the way out there and you're not, prepared for how far it can go. But there there are certain topics that, you know, you already can sense that, you know, the response is going to be a certain way. So how do you prepare people for that? How do you prepare your audience for that? Or do you even?
1: I don't think we prepare the audience, but we think a lot about how the episode starts. So for that episode, we try to start in... An artistic way, a lot of the times. So it's not like, "Hey, I'm Hannah, I'm Leela, Today we're going to talk about this." It's more, for example, for this specific episode, you called me African. What? What you first heard when the, when the episode starts is this song: "Mailman, Mailman, do your duty. Here comes the lady with the African booty." Na 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 na. Right, kids. We got some kids to sing it, and it's a reenactment of one of these skipping songs that yeah. they do. And you hear that first. And then Leela's kind of like, what is this? What's going on, you know? And then it's like me saying, this is just one of the things that we were called. And there's this whole world of things that we were called. And guess what? It was by the Black kids. Okay, we need to stoop this out. Mm-hmm. So, and then the bumper, and then the episode actually starts, right? Okay. So people, in the by the second minute, by the first minute, they have
0: an idea of what's going to happen. Okay. And that's your opportunity to form your perception and maybe not form your perception per se, but prepare your yourself for what you're about to hear essentially.
1: I think so and I think we've done that whenever whenever the subject is heavy, We've made sure to do that. Yeah. Um, Leela has an episode about her sister losing a child at, at, at childbirth, right? Or, like, there was another episode about... I can't make it off, off the top of my head, but but whenever we the, the episode is heavy, we feel a responsibility... That's to little, let yeah. people in on that early on. So then they can kind of, like you said, be prepared.
0: Right. And it's also sometimes, you know, depending on what the subject <sighs> is, it can be a trigger for people too. You want to give people you opportunity to be this one? That. We had to do a disclaimer, like a like
1: a, <laughs> like a trigger warning. Yeah. Um, that was one of them as well. Yeah, we had to do that. We did one on IVF as well in, in vitro fertilization. Yeah. It was a story of this woman who, you know, mentions of loss for sure we're in there. So yeah, I think just preparing them early on and then you can decide, do I want to hear this or do I not?
0: For you, what's the ultimate um, joy? I don't want to say, I don't want to say joy because I can tell you, you're passionate about this and that's, a lot of what is the motivation right but what's the ultimate um I don't know what the word is I'm looking for a big thing takeaway that storytelling or, or what's the ultimate thing that story telling story telling a story and telling it the right way someone either they relate to it or they don't relate to it but what's the biggest impact that a story um can have on a person for you in your opinion
1: There's still so few of us in media. There's still so few of us in storytelling as Black people, let alone as Africans. Um, And so for me, when somebody emails or puts in the comments, a a comment that says something like, I feel seen, um, this was me when I was little. I've never heard anybody talk about this before. Those are the people that, for me, that's who I'm talking to. Sure, everybody's going to listen to this podcast. And that's great. I know the majority of our listeners are white women. We know that statistic. We've gotten so many emails of, I know I'm not your target audience, but I enjoy, you know, I enjoy being a fly on the wall and listening. But when that email comes of, I remember there's this girl, she's Ethiopian American and she's like, she did the crying emojis. And she was like, I was called African Buddhist fresher. You know, this was me. Thank Like, I haven't processed this and we never talk about it. Thank you. Those are the kinds of emails and the kind of impact I think that we
0: that we seek to have. Right. And I think also, um, you know, hearing those stories of people affirming these messages, right, and saying, you know, I I can relate to this. I I feel seen. I feel heard. That's one piece of it. But also, I think it's it's a big privilege to be able to be in a position to tell those stories too, right? To be to be in a position to to find, you know, tap into your own experiences or find people you know who can relate or or who have something to say you know pertaining to these subjects and so the question now that i have for you then is how and you've alluded to this a couple of times right where you're like there's not enough of us in the room and there's not enough women there's not enough muslim women black women telling these stories what how do young girls high schoolers middle schoolers even in college master's degree even if you're 50 years old what are the things that you can be doing right to start to kind of come to the table
1: We live in a wonderful time when if you have a computer and an internet connection and you can write or you can take pictures or you can, you know, get on a Zoom and record it. Yeah, Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful time for more voices. It does not have to be you don't have to go to journalism school, you don't have to, you know, be the doctor, but have a blog, be an engineer, but have a podcast, you know, or have that amazing Instagram feed that's, you know, images from your village back home and stories. There's so much that doesn't have to be, you know, in a newsroom, you know, formal, formal journalism and all all that is changing anyway that's true okay. news is changing journalism is changing
0: citizen journalism is a big 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 deal there's a whole clause in journalism school i remember there's a whole class on like who should like who's more credible the journalist you know in the newsroom or the person who was standing by the road and took the video and can tell you what happened right it's like you know citizen journalism is is really changed internet and citizens having cell phones an internet connection is just changing the way everything is happening. Right. So
1: it's just that initial spark and that initial mm-hmm. idea. And that's what I do. I do a lot of training locally here and for me, you know, I just ask them, "What what do you want the world to know about you, about your family, about your community, about your country?" Do it, right? Like just just, to, just open the blog, just do the podcast, yeah. just start write the plan and 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 reach out to people. You know, there's mentors I, you know, reach out to me. I'll be happy to show you the ropes of whatever you need to do. And there's so many like me that are willing to kind of mentor these generations into this new world of media and journalism. Right. But you have to, you have to start somewhere and you have to be able to say, I can have my IT job, you know, make mama and papa happy and have that man and money rolling in. And also, you know, yes. do this thing on the side. They do it with music, yep. they do it with, you know, I'm a DJ on the side, I'm this
0: on the side and this is this is just that this you know? is a culture this yeah. is where we're headed and and the thing on the side is starting to even become the main thing right a lot of people are getting into blogging and then like five years down the line you've built a following and you know you're, you're providing such value to people and you're telling such you know um genuine authentic stories and very soon you're like making you know a lot of money out of it and you're like huh, this main gig is now the side gig Yes, you will,
1: and um, I'm cheering when that's happening. I'm like, yes, one less engineer, one more journalist.
0: <laughs> engineers are gonna be so mad at us for this episode. <laughs> I love you know, them. What are you husband, trying to do? My husband
1: is a doctor. You know, it's in us. It doesn't go away, right? Yeah. Like our families want us to have these professional jobs that they understand.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: Just because care. you know, when you're a journalist, when you're a writer, you know, like writer. What 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 does a writer mean? Like, what will you do? Do how you make the money comes from a place of love. You it have comes to. from a place of, I want you to be secure in your life, my child. Yep. And security for me that I know is doctor and engineer.
0: And yes. Doctor. And lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe lawyer. <laughs> Um, no, but that's, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, I think one of the things that I've been asking myself in this time where you know, there's a lot of content consumption, right? There's a lot of information out there. Everybody's an influencer. Every And and this is no shade at all to influencers or you know people who create content about their life. Um, but one of the things that I've been trying to ask myself is, um, what is, like you said, what is the story? What's the value in, in this piece of content that you're putting out, right? If there's something that you want to share with the world about who you are, about what your experiences, about what your perspective on something is. Um, if you're infusing that, even just in your regular um, Instagram posts, right? If you if you put up a picture of yourself, even, but then your caption tells a story of why that picture is important, and it gives some perspective or some sheds some light into why you think the way you do. I think that that's the storytelling that we're, that you know is the world will tap into.
1: That's a big deal. Just that, just an image with a caption, hashtag my village in Africa, whatever it yep. is, or you know, this is what we wear. This is, ooh, I'm making my Jalaf rice. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's a whole story.
0: Yeah. That, that's
1: a story. And you're telling. Yeah and you're owning it um so that's why i'm excited about these times um,
0: and also i think i feel like i should put this out there um when we take vacations back to our home countries i feel like if you go to your home country and you're not like on instagram story every second there's a problem okay this is just <laughs> this is just me i haven't been back since 2010 that i moved here so i feel a little bit like nostalgia right because i, mm. I feel like it's been time for me to go back but i can't wait to go back to cameroon and like hoard every single thing that i do and say like here is the lady roasting corn on the side of the street who you think is poor but yep. come to find out she's sending her kids to the best schools in the country off of you know selling roasted corn on the side of the street so it's yeah i can't wait to show that i think exactly it's that. exactly that exciting times very much so all right well hannah um this was fun i think this is very fun um before we go tell the people you know where to find you how to find you um all the deets sure so you can hear the
1: podcast is called the stoop the stoop podcast uh we are on wherever you get your podcasts it's mm-hmm. apple it's spotify it's stitcher um literally wherever you get your podcast is where you can hear us if you're in the bay area you can hear cross currents locally at 91.7 fm five o'clock monday through thursday nice
0: all right, last question, fun one. What are you doing when you're not like recording the podcast or doing the radio? <laughs> oh, um, let's see. I'm talking to my girlfriends
1: again. The rants and the and the WhatsApp is real. The Facebook. Uh, catching up with my family in Sudan, what's going on, that's real, a lot I of know. gossip, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, uh, what I, I used to, I tried to be watching at least a show, something to look forward to at the end of oh, the nice. day. What are you watching now? And I like time travel. I know, I know, it's geeky, <laughs> but I'm watching this show called Timeless. Okay time travel show where you know there's this team of regular people and there's this bad guy who jumps to different points in history to try to change history. Oh and they have to go back and jump with him where he is.
0: Okay. And- I haven't seen that one, but there's um LA Bree or Bria. There's a uh-huh. show called LA, LA Bree. It's a it's a time travel base, and there's also Manifest. I've should. seen Manifest, yes. Yeah. I yes. think the new season is coming out soon. Um, my husband and I watched it. Together. Really? I've been waiting for the new season. Yeah, I, I think they started putting the um, release date on Netflix. I don't know. You I'll, I'll like check, but I think time. I saw.
1: You would like Timeless. Okay.
0: Time. All right. We're going to try. try. What is it? I'm not watching goes,
1: I'm watching Back to the Future, all of them. All three. I've never <laughs> seen Back to the Future ever.
0: Last for me. I know. Every time I tell someone that, they're like, what? <laughs> really? Um. But and, and uh, the year in back to the future we passed already right i think it was 2015 yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and (laughs) i got i'm like way past the future and i'm now in the past (laughs) yeah absolutely it's a fun it's a fun trilogy to watch nice okay all right well hannah this is fun thank you so much for your time and for leaning into your purpose i think it's really important when people um identify what it is that they're called to do and listen to that and actually do it thank you so much
1: thank you this was wonderful it was fun and you're such an amazing you, you you really know how to interview really well and get the information out of people and make them comfortable you're killing it
0: oh well hey i'll take that thank you very much appreciate it um all right well classmates this has been fun uh, we will talk to you in the very next episode until then learning keep asking questions um and keeping your authentic self we'll see you next time bye